People of the world, it's the Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm, inviting you to join us each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or on our website to hear our take as three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. You can follow us on Facebook. You can reach us with your comments, questions, suggestions at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and you can email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. And stay tuned for our long-awaited YouTube channel. And now on with this week's episode. Hey, Brothers Talk family, we welcome you in around the world, wherever you're listening and holding your critical thinking conversations to promote activism and uplift our people. And also all our first-time listeners, we're glad you're here to help with the work of encouraging and educating as we endorse and inspire new and existing Black businesses to empower and enrich the Black community. Our constant refrain in the new COVID reality, even though the global health emergency has been declared over by both the U.S. government and the World Health Organization, because according to them, it can't go on forever, is that coronavirus doesn't seem to have been invited to that meeting as the SARS virus and its latest Omicron subvariant, Arcturus, is still infecting 19 and a half thousand new infections each day, resulting in over 255 deaths daily and is forecast to produce a new surge again this fall and winter. And in declaring the emergency over, the CDC has shut down its weekly data tracker, leaving it up to multiple different sources of information on deaths and infections from COVID. And of course, what could possibly go wrong with that? Declaring it over has freed up a member of the unelected and unaccountable Supreme Court to blast the nation's response as having been too intrusive on civil rights even though in truth, I'm sure the 1.1 million families who lost loved ones would disagree and say that we didn't go far enough when you consider how much more successful countries like China, New Zealand, and South Korea were compared to us. And if that isn't enough insanity, the Biden administration has indicated they're open to using COVID funding as a political football as part of the debt ceiling negotiation game. But we don't care what they say. We're still urging everyone to be careful when you're out and about. And even the health professionals are still advising that you get your vaccinations or the newest boosters. And remember that wearing a mask helps prevent the spread of all respiratory infections, including the flu and RSV2. Use plenty of disinfectants when traveling so that your trip doesn't end in the hospital or worse. And definitely you don't want to bring anything deadly back to your medically fragile family and friends. Come on now, it's still we the people, and we can and we must do better. And now to my brother in the struggle for critical thinking, Scott. Thanks, Rod. And family, thank you for your uh, continued support. And uh, Rod said a mouthful, and I, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. Uh, what What's bothering me more than anything, and I talk about this every week, is that people are, have left that, let their guards down. And... One of the things that I hope doesn't happen is that when there is a resurgence of the virus and they're predicting it's going to happen in this fall, uh, people are acting surprised. But if you're not protecting yourself, if you're not doing all the things that you've been asked to do, if you're still not wearing your mask, I'm one of the free, few, right now, we always call ourselves dinosaurs. And I guess I'm one of the few dinosaurs because I go in the establishment and I'm going to be one or two people wearing a mask. And I'm doing that 
to protect myself, but mainly to protect other people. And that I don't see that happening. I see people out here now just walking around as if there wasn't a pandemic. But I'm afraid that come this fall, it's going to be on steroids again. We're going to be teetering on the lockdown. You're going to have crazy people on, on one side of the political spectrum saying that, no, 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 I survived it last time. I'm going to survive it this time. And I, and I think people are going to be in for a rude awakening. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, so go out and protect yourself, protect your family, get get your shot if you haven't had one, get vaccinated, and wear your mask. We have a very special guest for this week's program, our milestone 175th episode. A great brother and friend that I've known over 20 years who is the perfect person to discuss our topic as we engage in the conversation around our national politics. He's David J. Byrd, the founder and CEO of Bird's Eye Consulting Firm. He recently served as a senior principal at Corn Ferry Professional Search and handled a general portfolio of federal, state, and local government, as well as private companies, nonprofits, and associations as clients. David is a three-time presidential appointee and has worked for three different governors in the states of New Jersey and Maryland. His last federal appointment was as the 18th National Director of the Minority Business Development Agency, the only federal agency dedicated to growth and competitiveness of minority-owned businesses. He and his wife, a retired U.S. Air Force major, once resided in New Jersey, where I met them, and now they live in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. David, say hello to our Brothers Talk family. Listen, fellas, thanks so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. Uh, being on your 175th uh, episode. It's terrific. Uh, let me say this. Uh, I've I've gotten not only the virus shot, I've gotten the coronavirus shot, I've gotten all the boosters. So I get all the shots. Uh, and it was what is confusing, what was what was instead before, what was what's confusing is, you know, I carry my mask, I don't wear my mask all the time. I have to admit that, but I carry one with me. And because some establishments have a sign on the door that says they won't let you in without a mask. But a lot don't anymore. It used to be if you went anywhere, they wouldn't let you in without a mask. Now you've got some that require you to have it, some don't. And when you go to a doctor's office, you always have to have it. So, you know, you got this confusing, this mix and match. So I just make sure I carry two things with me at all times. Number one, I carry a mask in my pocket. Every one of my suits, every one of my jackets has a mask in it. Number two, I carry with me disinfectant, you know, stuff that I can wash my hands at any time, as many times as I want. And I have one in the car that I can spray on the steering wheel so I can clear off the steering wheel at any time. Because like you said, I'm very lucky. I, I came in contact. With a couple of people during the pandemic, I had to have myself tested, was negative. I didn't catch it. My wife didn't catch it. My mom thought she caught it. My mom's 86 years old. She thought she caught it. She went to the hospital to get tested. She didn't get it, but they they had her, but just to be safe, they had her stay home for about five days just to make sure. So listen, I, I at the risk of being paranoid, you know, I'll protect myself and, and continue. But, you know, as a result of this, you know, it's changed the way we work. You know, when I was working with Corn Ferry, it was 100% remote, even though we had an office downtown D.C., 17th and K, was nobody there. 
you know, um, and 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 the people and the crowds and stuff have still not come back a hundred percent. Mother's Day, I took my mom down to Lobster Shanty in Point Pleasant Beach for a Mother's Day crowd. It really wasn't because I think people don't realize that places are back open yet. So we still have a ways to go. And the and the economy has changed. It's adapted. And whether businesses realize it or not, people have realized that we can even be more productive working from home. And so why is there a need for us to come back into the office? Yeah, wise words, David. And, you know, that's where we continue to to beat the drum. And we say we're going to continue to do it no matter what the insanity looks like on the inmates running the asylum when it comes to COVID. <laughs> so, uh, but we want to sort of jump in here because uh, in the run up to the show, you know, you enhanced the theme that we've been on a while about all politics being local. And so we've had a kind of a running uh, discourse around what do we need to be doing as members of the black community to be much more focused on how we get our interests met? And we know that you were you worked uh, productively inside the Republican administration. But one of the things I always enjoyed about our conversations was the fact that you looked at it from a practicality standpoint. It was about like, OK, what can we do inside there to help our people? And so you as I said, in the run-up, you talked about the fact that we need to be much more focused on how everything is being pushed down to the local level. So say more about that. Well, you know, first of all, you're right. I've been a member of the Republican Party since 1978. Uh, And so, but I am part of what I consider a proud tradition of Republicans, Black people who have been in the Republican Party, because what has happened is that we we've always said we need people on both sides to help move our agenda forward. No matter who wins, it's our agenda and our interests that remain the same. And it's still that way today. Today, the politics are is that the federal government is increasingly retreating back from an agenda that has been for many years about making things of a national level that apply and go across the board. And 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 part of our history is that we've looked towards the federal government for our rights, for our, 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 our to protect our rights, to protect many people's rights, no matter if it's if it's it, of no matter what 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 you're looking for, what what the issue is. But now the federal government, the Supreme Court, is retreating and 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 passing that responsibility on to the states. Some people might refer to it as states' rights. Some people might refer to them as as under Reagan, the new federalism. But the fact is, whether it be abortion, whether it be uh, uh, the writing of congressional districts, gerrymandering, everything, you increasingly see that responsibility being forced upon or not forced upon, but given being given to states, which means that our participation has to be local. You know, Tip O'Neill was the one who said all politics is local. Our focus has to be local because that in that is going to bubble up to the federal means that the, the our, our our county commissions are our, our, our people who represent us on in the legislative branch of uh, in the state legislature. The, the, the people who run our school boards now school boards are becoming that was one of the most apolitical nonpartisan uh, branches and now school boards are becoming very political about what can you can teach my kids, what you can show my kids, what can you talk about? You can't talk about black history. I don't want you to tell them about Rosa Parks and how bad I treated her. 
You know, I don't want you to talk about that stuff. Slavery was okay for, for black people. You want that myth out there, okay? So this is why we have to be involved in our, you know, it was Socrates who said that it is only a fool who does not involve himself in the affairs of state and the affairs of his local community. We have to be involved. I came up through the political system from the ground up. I just didn't come to Washington one day and say, here I am and start working. As you know, I, I was born and raised in Jersey. I came from there. And so same thing with my politics. I worked my way up from a ward leader, got involved in the local party where I was, worked local campaigns, learned how local government worked. That's how I wound up getting to Trenton. That's how I got from Trenton to uh, Washington, D.C., because I learned how state and local government work. We need to be, uh, you know, the what the old freeholder. Now they call them county commissioners and how that system worked, how your local townships. A lot of people have fire districts in their communities. You're a fire commissioner where you vote to tax the local government so you can buy fire equipment for your community. You know, all these things are just as important as you voting for your, your U.S. senator and your, your candidate for governor. So we need to be, we need to register to vote. We need to, we need to register our kids when they turn 18. We need to, we need to make sure that our folks who are sick and shut in use that absentee ballot application. I used to be a ward leader and I used to go in my community and register and get the ballot for those folks who were who were sick and shut in because I want to make sure they had the opportunity and their right to vote. We need to be vigilant because, you know, the, the same old battles are fought time and time again. It was Ronald Reagan who said that freedom is only one generation gone. You have to fight for freedom every generation because there are those out there that want to change the rules or alter the rules. And if you know one thing about the history of this country, there's two basic things about the history of this country. Number one, who is an American? The definition of that. And number two, who has the right to vote? Who can vote? When this country first started, the only people who could vote were not only white men, it were white men who owned land. If you didn't own land, you couldn't vote. You know, David, um, it was interesting that you said you've been a lifelong Republican. And this in this climate, why would a black person want to be a Republican? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the black people and I listen to what you just said about, you know, politics being local. And I and I totally agree with that because everything bubbles up from the bottom. but when I take a look at some of the people who are black Republicans in the Republican party, and I'm not going to call names, but, but, but the guy who just, I'm going to let people do some work. Who's going to be the Republican uh, nominee for the, um, for governor in Kentucky. He gave this shout out to 45 and, and giving him credit for uh, helping him win the nomination. And I have issues with people like that who turn a blind eye to a guy who's clearly trying to destroy democracy for his own benefit and his family benefit and people who continue to support him, just like the guy who just who's going to be announcing uh, that he's going to be running for uh, president in the Republican Party, black guy. We all know who he is. 
for him to be so disingenuous to say that, you know, this is not a racist country. And it seems like those are the kind of people who are with that kind of, you, you can think what you want to think that, you know, that that's their right. But that seems to be those kind of people who are not really following what, what you just talked about in terms of we got to be getting these positions if we're going to help our people. They seem to be going along just to get along and they're just falling in lockstep and in line and they're not calling out any any of this hateful, vicious, racist dialogue that's being spewed from the Republican Party. So what 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 why would I be interested in joining a party that openly is racist against black folks, openly attacking black folks like what Ron DeSantis is doing down there in Florida? Oh, I call somebody's name, who just basically anything black or anything that has to do with black history, black culture, anything associated with black, he goes after it, goes after them with both barrels and and try to diminish, demean. Basically, there's no need to study black history because it's going to make some people feel unhappy or uncomfortable. And I don't see any pushback from any black Republicans. So there's a lot of layers to what you said. And, and I don't even know if we have enough time to unpack it, but I'm going to try. So today's people like myself are probably out of date. Um, you know, when I joined the Republican, I, I call myself a moderate Republican, right? I don't even think those guys exist anymore. I, I'm probably a dinosaur. There was, you know, if, if, if you go back 20 years, the Northeast used to have nothing but Republican governor. Okay, I can I can go on and name them: Whitman, uh, William Weld up in Pataki in New York, Tom Ridge in uh, Pennsylvania. Used to have uh, all those though that Republican that Northeast Republican strain doesn't exist anymore because of the the parties have so polar opposite. And you have to understand the history of the country the parties, because basically, if you talk to black Democrats, th th their fate in the, in the Democratic Party is no different than black Republicans. It's just a name, different name of a, of a political party. You've got folks today who are looking more at, so they want to be more of a celebrity. And, 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 and they think that if they go along with a certain ideology or a certain platform, that that's going to take them to where they want to go or they're going to get to a certain place. But if you understand the history, you got to go read this book called The Long, I think it's called The Long Southern Game or something. And it really, really talks about the history of the long game that's being played in this country in terms of rights, women's rights. Um, uh, yeah. it, it, you know, talks about, it, it, it talks about all, it, it talks about all of that. And in fact, it says, you know, 45 was a reaction to the candidacy and the successful presidency of Barack Obama. I mean, you know, let's get real. That's what that's what that was about. And so so you asked me to get to your basic premise. Why would anybody black be involved in the Republican Party? First of all, because you're not if you if you practice real politics, if you read the works of Aristotle, Socrates, it's not about emotion. People get too emotional. People get wrapped up in the emotion of the rhetoric, and you have to look at the results, right? Look at the re look at the results. One thing people don't want to talk about is that 
45 provided more monies to black colleges than Obama did. But nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to talk about pre-pandemic that uh, black and Hispanic unemployment rates were the lowest they had ever been since they recorded that. Okay, but nobody wants to talk about that because they got caught up in the rhetoric, the tweets and everything else. The real question is, what can I do for my community? What can I bring from my community? When I worked at the Minority Business Development Agency, I was able to provide, I was able to help minority-owned businesses get $6.9 billion in contract under a Republican administration, under 45. That was a record, even during the pandemic. So the question is, are we going to allow ourselves to be taken in by the rhetoric or are we going to let that distract us from our mission of what's getting done? Some of our folks in the height of segregation were able to get things done because they had no illusions of who they were dealing with, right? I don't have any illusions of what the political system feels about me as a black man in this country. What I do is I understand my history and I understand that I have to run faster, be better, have the credentials, all of those things, right? But I, I make no bones about the fact of I am looking, when, I, when I'm doing my involvement is not for me, but it's to help address and remedy the things in my community. And if I can do that, right, I'm not going to be worried about if somebody's calling somebody else names or they, listen, these racist sayings and things, this is no different. You close your eyes. You, this is 1950. Close your eyes again. It's 1850. Some of these things have been going on since then. They're just under a different guise. They're just under a different name. They call it different things. It's the same thing. Okay. It's the same thing. Our role is we don't take politics as seriously as everybody else does. Everybody else puts up their money, runs their candidates, puts their money behind candidates, right? Puts money up for advertising or to make sure they support their candidates, gets their people out to vote. We treat it like a sport. We treat it like, ah, you know what? I'm not going to go vote because I got to go pick up my paycheck. Or, ah, I'm, I, you know, I didn't have time. Or I'm not going to take off work today. We treat it as something. This is our franchise, but we treat it as something very casual, right? It's not casual. You see, and so Dave, you see how fast these uh, <laughs> these podcasts run, and uh, and so we definitely want to have you back and and pick up more in this conversation because there's a lot there, a lot to chew on. And what we've always done in our podcast is we say, you know, our motto is we always leave people wanting more, not less. And uh, and so, you know, so we've given them something to really start to chow down on. And so uh, so we we are, again, so happy that you came to be with us on this 175th podcast. And hopefully you will come back and join us again soon to uh, pick up this conversation again, because it is more. Than I'd love to, Rod, I'd love to. I think it's a it's a great yep. topic. I encourage I'm not I encourage people to exercise their right to vote. And I respect and get people out there. I, I've chosen this path because at the time it was the path that I wanted to go down. And I saw the opportunity 
not only to participate in it, but help the people in my community. And I still see it that way. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and we'll continue to do so. And we'll continue. And listen, I root my friends on. I have a friend of mine who was working for Governor Murphy uh, in, in, until recently in New Jersey. I root those five friends of mine that work for Democratic members of the Senate. I root those people on every single day. In our Black Business Spotlight, meet Linda Peavy, the owner and founder of Lipave Consulting, LLC, who has pledged to offer free online grant training to 23,000 Black organizations. Her company has written grants and business development funding totaling over $17 million, and she believes that too many Black organizations, especially for-profits, are leaving free money on the table. According to a Forbes article, COVID-19 and the George Floyd incident created unprecedented grant funds for Black organizations, and COVID-19 also meant thousands of small businesses were forced to lay off workers or shut their doors completely because of uh, limited financial assets and the lack of accumulated wealth. Black business, small business owners were particularly vulnerable. Foundations and large corporations took notice and began creating free grant resources for Black-owned organizations. Many smaller organizations rely upon these grants to survive, but cannot afford to hire a professional grant writer. Therefore, Linda created the LIPAB Writing Academy in 2019 to teach grant writing skills to businesses needing them the most. To register for PB's free grant writing webinars, visit LIPAV. That's L-I-P-A-V dot com. L-I-P-A-V dot com. That's a wrap for this show. And remember, you can share your thoughts with us and follow and communicate with us by sending your comments, as well as questions and show ideas for the Brothers Talk on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email us to brotherstalk at gmail.com. And as always, God willing, we'll continue to keep the focus on the issues that impact our community on the path to a better future. Till next episode, know that we sincerely appreciate your time and interest and rest assured that we'll never take it or you for granted. And finally, let's do better today because that's all we really have.